Hello, Internet. You are now experiencing technical difficulties. We are having a little bit of a chat, a uh, postmortem, if you will, about uh, our uh, recent Red Marcus Black Death campaign, job line, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Ian's Cross of St. Agnes, Path of the Shred. Proud Working of- title. Working title. <laughs> how many working titles you got over there well, uh, I, I've, uh, I got a long list of them. medieval uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark stuff yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway we're, we're talking through it uh, kind of a, kind of a get everybody's thoughts about how it went uh, how they enjoyed it things uh, notes for Ian because he's planning on running this again and uh, eventually writing it up uh, notes for me about the system, uh, just uh, thoughts and experiences that people want to share about their characters and their experience of playing, all, all that stuff. So um, welcome, everybody. Everybody's here, including Ian. Hi. Hi. Hello, Internet. Hello, Internet. Hello, Internet. Hello, Internet. So I guess we can start talking. Uh, let's start with just a, a general sense what people have, especially Ian, uh, I think. Um, You've listened to our whole playthrough, right, Ian? And you were there uh, for some of it. I, I was there for some of it, and then I, with those that I weren't, I asked for the recordings of. So, yeah. yes, I've listened to all... Uh, every, yeah, I've listened to the entire thing. What was your sort of overall impression of like how it went for us? I think it went, I think it went fairly well. I think there were some uh, parts where I realized like I needed to work on, um, especially the, uh, I want to say, the second job and the third job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I overall think it really went fairly well. Um, you know, uh, except for the Black Knights parts, but you know, that's we've already, <laughs> I've already, I've already, uh, I've already complained enough. About I the, think that uh, went fantastically. Uh, that, yeah, that was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Lucas uh, did a great job. Very happy with that. I mean, yeah. I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll get done. Look, but I. I the I think everything never do what you expect them to. No, they don't. Uh, they really don't. Um, and I think I'm still learning that even after all this time. Um, <laughs> we are. I, I, yeah, no, I think, I think it went fairly well though. I was really happy with how, um, especially went with Claire. Cause like, that's what I was hoping to do, um, mm-hmm. with how, uh, her poll thing was going on. And, um, <laughs> wait, wait, up to and including, uh, my big dumb and happy latent executing her. Oh, I mean, there's consequences for that. I, I make it blatantly clear there's consequences for that. But you know, yeah, I, you gotta kill her. You gotta kill her. That's what happens. Yeah. Uh, She's tried to kill us <laughs> more than once. Fair enough. Consequences. Fair enough. The game's over. Yeah. I, I, I the way I wrote it is I it, it is fairly able to be a Joel's, but it can also just be a, a job line. Uh huh. Uh, and I think that's, I think that, uh, I'm glad we got to do, uh, that and I'm glad that it ran well and people enjoyed it. Like that was my, that was my big worry that it was, my big worry was that it was going to be too long and too boring. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking back all the, all, all the way back mm. to a legal tender, um, even for me as a brand a literally brand new GM. That was one thing I've really wanted to do with legal tender was I really wanted to make it a tour of as much of red markets as I could make it trying mm-hmm. as many different jobs and as many different ways to highlight the setting as I possibly could. 
uh, tying it in with uh, Cross of St. Agnes, I think you and Ethan both really succeeded in doing that in this campaign. I feel like it covers a lot of the bases you would want Red Market's Black Death to cover, hmm. which especially, you know, if this ends up being like a published campaign for Red Market's Black Death is something you definitely want to do. That's I, I definitely think that this campaign, um, <clears throat> if and when I can publish it and, and attach it to, to Ethan's uh, uh, game, would be um, fall in the more romantic uh, I, I call it romanticism because that's what I'm remembering from my English classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 romanticism um, instead of kind of gritty reality. Um, yeah. I guess boom, not bust, would be the yes. The, the, I, the that would be the the core system terms. I feel like we should find something from medieval literature it's, for nah, Red Market's Black don't worry Death. About it. But no, I mean, that's that's fine. I, romanticism was what I always came up with because romanticism was what was sort of very um, in the kind of flowy yeah. fantasy kind of just out of there area and uh, for there were some amazingly cinematic moments, which is very much not a medieval term, but I mean, no. <laughs> in like each of the main, you know, I remember at least two or three of them. So like each of the major sections had this big set piece of, oh my God, that's following us or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rats. The rats, the rats, I definitely, I, I was mm-hmm. debating on. I, I was glad. The yeah, sewer. The sewer. The, oh, sewer. the big thing I was worried is I was worried number three was going to be too long and boring um remind us the order again so So the first one was the cross of saint agnes where you went to the drusy abbey and you uh it was kind of a dungeon crawl and you found the the rats for the first time yep uh and the sound uh, collapsed this yeah the sound collapsed the second one was the witch of the woods where you went you know did the wilderness thing and went and found uh there's oh, fucking Saracens who tried to fight me. Uh, and a yes. door that just would not stay on. <laughs> yes. Yep. And I asked yeah. for an apprenticeship. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you asked the witchy lady to teach you things. She's like, ah! No. So, asked, so the I, third one that Dean's talking about right now was Tomb of the Night, where you went to the mm-hmm. City of the Dead and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, oh, that. Oh, Which yeah. then also had the sewer sequence. Yeah. No, and then the Abbey. Track. Yeah, you pick I, up yourself a servant. That was a really uh-huh. like so that was Lucas. that was a long one, and uh, there was a lot to it. But I never felt like it dragged. Like I felt like no. every yeah. section of it. Yeah, no, that thing mm-hmm. felt like it was moving the whole time. Each section uh-huh. has a distinct purpose and feel. No, mm-hmm. it, it felt fine. So a note on Samara. Um, mm-hmm. The the biggest thing is like I I had it I had it written that she is. Um, <clears throat> She is uh, both. She, if you like, if you called her a witch, she gets super pissed off because, uh, <laughs> like, that's her whole thing. Is like she's she actually is uh, fairly believes that if like anyone mentions God or the devil or anything in front of her face, she gets really mad about it because mm. um, she's like, this is easily explained away as science because she yeah. is a ex plague doctor. And yes, I know plague doctors weren't a thing around the medieval times and the with the 
with the mask and everything. But we're also talking about Black Death zombies here, people. Well, and rationalist philosophers were a thing. Like, there were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, people so really I, consider to be atheists now at the time. As oh, in yeah. They probably didn't mention that in hearing range of no. multiple types of people. Oh, no. No, no, no but no, I yeah. mean, the thing is, like, in, yeah. in the intelligentsia, that was a thing. So yes. It's, yes. it's not like it's an ir- it's 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 not unrealistic. It's to. not ahistorical. Oh, right. I wanted to mention uh, while you guys are talking, um, I had um, about like the cinematicness and the like the fact that it's like more like the romance and less like a straight straight history thing. I talked to like I've I've actually like dealt with that in like the rules that I've been writing for Red Market's Black Death, basically having another axis of play style. So there's mm-hmm. boom and bust as one axis, and then there's what I'm calling tight and loose as a second axis, which is how historically accurate you want it to be. I really, 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 really like that. Yeah, oh, I yes. like that too. And like in the Good first the, convention, yeah, the first, uh, the, the first the problem is, is that playing tight requires you to actually have the you know background history really yeah, solid, so, so which is first, not a common thing. Yeah, that's true. And the first thing, that's one of the reasons why I want loose play to be kind of a thing. Because, like, personally, my style would be very tight. Like, the first... We uh, know. The first uh, <laughs> the first few uh, playtests I ran, like, I was going for for real tightness. Like, a lot of very, very historically accurate stuff. Uh, using the real using the real historical events of the time mm-hmm. as, like, your, your plot hooks mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this, running this as, as a much more loose, like, this is, like, the ideal like loose uh setting mode style here so um and i feel like loose would also help you adapt it to different parts of the world at the time yeah exactly i mean uh, what, maybe what, change around some names of some yeah some of the stuff like chivalry and piety oh, yeah. but mm-hmm. uh yeah one of my i mean a lot of my personal motivation for writing red marcus black death is because i love history and i love the historical period so i like want to just like run history games <laughs> Uh, but I know not, not everybody's going to be into that, like, as their top priority. <laughs> we love so, you, Ethan! Yeah, I love you, Ethan. <laughs> having, a, having a looser style available is is, is a good thing to have. So. Yeah. Do you guys have any questions for me about the, the campaign itself or anything? So there, there were moments where having this, like, random-ass Swiss uh, Landskreit was not like thematically appropriate. Hmm. So I felt a little bit disconnected using that character. Um, but also he's big, dumb and happy. So like, <laughs> it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a, both as the system was evolving through the play testing, cause you know, I, I definitely observed the work that Ethan was doing to, add elements to the system where it made sense to test elements that made less sense or more sense, depending. Um, it became really clear to me that like, as a character concept, Hans Peter was like fine, but that he didn't really fit. Hmm. Um, like in it, cause Hans Peter was of course like, a you know, the second in a long line, or I guess the mini in a long line of joke characters. Yeah. We built him as a joke. 
<laughs> and yet. And yet. Um, right. And I feel like for this campaign in particular, we really did want another character more like Lucas, maybe even more like Magda, that was responding to the piety and chivalry systems in a more like positive way rather than I, I mean, I the, kill things. You maybe like like having, pre, ha, having pre-gen characters. The, the mm. traditional two nebishes in you know, Shakespeare, that intro to the next section. I feel like SDN and, and uh, you know, Hans Pater sort of fit that in a couple of places. Absolutely. I think Hans Pater could really interact with the chivalry system. I, if he wanted. I'd mess it up. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Correct. Chivalry was martial prowess in a lot of ways. You can just play up that aspect of it. <laughs> I was going to say, there's very little about chivalry that prevents you from being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to be a very particular kind of dick. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I that was just what I wanted to mention is that there was for this campaign, and I, I observed this as we were doing as Ethan was doing the work to really lock in elements of the piety and chivalry systems mm-hmm. that as we were getting further and further away from the core red markets rules, because let's be honest, like Hans Peter, you could pick Hans Peter up. And drop him in the American loss. Oh yeah. And like give him a different funny accent. Not and, even. And, yeah. Or not even. And it's basically the same character. Like yeah, it's played true. that character. I have and you enjoyed just the hell out, out of him. Yeah. A sniper rifle for it. Ah, uh, it was great. <laughs> I will say though, Eyes was a hell of a lot more culty. <laughs> yes. Well, well. Hans was less culty, more like I kill people for fun. It's fun. I What's your problem? I don't see much of a difference between black math culty and mercenary. I do. There is. <laughs> well, the, so, um, yeah. But it's like well, flavors I, of strawberry jam. They're they're all strawberry jam, but they taste a little different. I really like the chivalry and piety system. I think they are a great addition and really make it its own thing. Yeah, yeah. ludonarratively, narratively oh, yes. they're really important to yeah. yes. making Red Markets Black Death a innovation on Red Markets rather mm-hmm. than a setting change. They are uh, well, I'm glad to hear that cuz I think they're my they're my favorite part of the new design like my favorite new design element too. And I think you could actually use something like them in Court Red Markets pretty easily oh, yeah. mm-hmm. as a sort of a general rep Rep mm-hmm, economy indeed. resource, basically, because like it's it was interesting to me because um, like red markets is so focused on the sort of you know um, you know naked pragmatism of of uh, capitalism and surviving um, it yeah that it's sort of like I think um, one thing that I think I think the core setting maybe doesn't quite emphasize enough is the importance of reputation in uh mm-hmm. basically in uh low, all capitalist economies low so low social trusts um right. societies it's mostly the rep spots which is party based yeah. not personnel based rep spots are are there and i like them but they're they're pretty they're pretty simplistic like they're not they? they're not really personal and they they have a relatively minor uh mechanical effect on the game. And like I we think play so flushing out. 
Yeah, I mean that's one of the that's one of the goals I had for for chivalry and piety, and give you like an actual like reputation, like a, a like a like a really concrete benefit to like having uh, a good reputation uh-huh. or having a bad. I reputation. think you're like ninety percent of the way there on this on that part of the system. I would like a little. It tied back into the larger system a little more, or at least articulated how it's tied back into the rest of the system a little more. Hmm. That may have just been we play late in the evening and my brain doesn't always remember shit. Yeah, I did notice that I, I had to, I had to do a lot of like reminding people that they could use those points. And, yes. <laughs> and not but it's every... also because it's not like we were at the table every week. Yeah. Um, and not like what, one of the things you can do if you're in, in, uh, in person is use counters to track these things, mm-hmm. uh, which is one thing I've I've always I've really really wanted to do. I've never actually I've only gotten to play red markets in person like twice. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I got to play with Caleb at a conference once, but like I, a couple baby. times, but, like I very rarely get to play in person. Um, and I've always wanted to use the like you know coins to track charges for everything and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so it would be probably be a little bit more easier to remember that you have those uh, points to spend if you were playing in person. Oh yeah. Um, so why don't we talk about our characters a little bit? Unless you had something uh, you were going to say, Greg. Um, I I did have one question I was thinking of for Ian, and Thank then you. we can get into characters. Sure. Sure. Um. um I think it's pretty clear what your intent was for the Black Knight, so I don't think we have to get into it that far. Yeah, uh, yeah. But what was your intent for the um, the Brotherhood? Like, because obviously we threw a wrench into the works by uh, befriending them rather than having them being like a rival unit, which uh, is what it sounded like your intent was. What 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 was your expected? So. So the Brotherhood was supposed to be this sort of... Because you guys are on basically a treasure hunt, in in essence. And the Brotherhood was sort of supposed to be this rival that just kept showing up in the worst times, and maybe was a friend, maybe was an enemy. There wasn't really... um, yeah, or at least even then, like a highly chivalrous enemy. Like someone who wasn't just going to stab you in the back without very good reason um and uh they were supposed to sort of determine um whether or not the end uh you were going to get help uh in in dealing with with claire's army or whether or not it was literally just going to be the four of you against this army um and obviously you know yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously if you just fought the army head on, you would have died. But oh, of course. Uh, so the, this the was an expected outcome. This wasn't an this wasn't an expected outcome. No, I had actually already planned for this. The third the third mission is designed in a way that like oh, yeah. you either leave uh Aziz for dead or you don't. Um and if you leave him for dead, the Brotherhood isn't going to help you because now they they don't know what kill that you left what kill for dead. But they also will kill or not will kill um, Aziz. Sorry, I'm playing a character in movie Quill. Um, you left Aziz for dead, but Aziz can't also be there to vouch for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been working for Claire so long, and Claire betrays the Brotherhood that now 
you've uh, you guys are essentially just the enemy of the Brotherhood because they don't know better. Um, it, the whole point was it, I, I hinted at them at the first game. They appear in the second one. You get a chance to more interact with them in the third game, and then what you what how you interact with them basically the outcome uh, appears in the fourth game. It also affects some of the. It also affected uh, the legs because um, that fourth leg in the game in the fourth game, um, you could have gotten supplies because you helped the Brotherhood. So the Brotherhood uh, killed all those Black Company guys, uh, or Black River guys. Black Creek, that was it. Sorry, there's a lot of names. Black Creek guys. Um, and you could have gotten supplies and refresh and all that stuff. Or you could have ended up except in combat. The, except we decided to skip the leg. Yeah. I just, you know, that, that's an option. I, I, I like to give players some meaning of choice in the sense of just, you know, their choices do matter in, in, in the sort of grand scheme of things. Plus, I like playing oh. with the job line system itself. Uh, like, how, wh- how what you do on one job affects what you do on another job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a place that red markets can fail as a system. Because it yeah. can just evolve mm-hmm. into the job of the week, monster of the week. And then it escalates to well, you think you saw an aberrant? Let me show you an aberrant. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do hate to do this. I do. I do have to leave in about like six minutes. Is there yeah. any any other questions anyone has to me about the campaign? One note. Uh, I one quick note ahead. I would give you is that there's too many things named black. <laughs> <laughs> the All right, black, I'll work. I'll, I'll work on that. Yeah, there's the I'll black knight. That. The black uh, creek company and the black army. So black and the black Ranger. death. Yeah, maybe one. Oh, maybe. The black all right, all right, yeah. Well, those, black, those yeah, I, I will change. I will change the names. Uh, it's just I will change the names. Satanists. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need to do a couple things with the campaign. Like, I need to uh, tighten up some stuff and get rid of some things that are a little too much. Um, and uh, I need maps. Apparently, because like Absolutely. in the proper Red Death, you no, know, even in proper Red Markets, Caleb I know provides maps at some points for certain scenarios. So like that's just how that goes. Maybe, um, maybe GM notes highlighting what is and isn't chivalric, so the GM can go, "Are you sure you really want to do that?" Yeah, that is actually yeah. that's something. So like obviously, when I write up the rules for chivalry, I'm going to try to go into some detail about what is isn't chivalric, but. Yes. When you're writing a, an account, like if you if you mention if you if you mention at certain places in the text, like this would be a chivalric action or a non or an anti chivalric action, uh, just to make it clear to somebody running it what the stakes are, because it is very important to make that clear to the players because they're not. I think I think a very good point about this one is that I, I would also like to see if I can maybe modify the scenarios to be to fit with any sort of tight and loose because Gascony is English held territory for a very, very long time, even before they started winning the the Hundred Years War. It was one of the very few places that they just owned. Um so mm-hmm. I want to see if I could maybe like fit that in uh into any area of like I want to go very tight on history, I want to go very loose on history. Um and see how that kind of works. Mm-hmm. Uh it also helps that the Templars died way before uh the Black Plague showed up. So that's really nice. Um. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right. Yeah. Well. So, oh, 
Uh, Ian, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Of course, of course. If you have yeah, any more questions or anything, us. please let me know. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Bye, Thanks a lot, Ian. Yeah. Bye. Goodbye. goodbye, Internet. Early for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then because I'll have to step away because I've got you know things things mm-hmm. I got to do. Um, so yeah, I really, really, you know, as always, playing the big dumb and happy uh, murder hobo. It, I feel like there's a lot more, you know, as we evolved the system around him, we said this earlier, but the character concept became increasingly constrained, and disconnected. Hmm. Um, and I think like I could have rewritten him, especially not as a black leper, but as just like a dude um, to lean into some of the foreigner tough spot a little bit more. And hmm. developed the concept of like, all right, he's this ex Lanskanite. He's there, like he is still a murder machine, but also he's super disconnected from the politics, and that's not actually all that helpful. Like he is a stranger, and mm-hmm. that's going to cause problems as much as it like helps them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just it, it wasn't connected for this campaign. So he just got to be like drunk and murderous most of the time. Mm-hmm. And Hans Peter and Estienne are also core pregens. Yeah, they've essentially they're they're I mean they're character types that are supposed to be kind of uh, easy to easy to get a handle on as like you know exactly what they are and you can give them a one sentence description of what they're like so that whereas Lucas and Magda are. Uh, Made PCs. Mm-hmm. A bobin that is uncharitable. Boom, done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, talking about characters then, uh, for the other characters, uh, let's talk uh let's talk about how you felt like your characters developed, how you felt like they uh worked together or didn't, or um I, I as a player will manage to play a character who does not turn into the Team mom. I hate to say well, this, Laura, but you're not. It's not going to happen. I'm gonna well, I mean, try. Lucas I'm was keep also trying. Lucas <laughs> was also team dadding it. I wasn't exactly swinging for the fences. For you well, I think SDS with Lucas. Yeah. SDN and Hans Peter did have the teen kind of component down there. <laughs> well, we shoot it because it's in front of us because that's what we do. Uh-uh. While we still have Adam, the tension that was kind of rising as Estian was more just like, I'm a mercenary, I just want to get paid and do this, versus, and Estian to some extent, versus um, Magda and Lucas, like, no, this mission also has a purpose, and we need to execute that purpose, uh, was building up tension really nicely. Great. It's like, Estian and I are just like, I mean, yeah, but, but we want to get paid, like, no, no, we gotta get paid. We got people to take care of. Yeah, we do too. But also, there's a global pandemic that's reviving the undead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, something. you know, SEO was all for using the thing to cure everyone. That'd be that'd be awesome. Uh, except maybe not all the nobles, but you know, most people. But again, the, the post credits of "Does the Shroud Actually Work?" is a fascinating thing to think of, mm-hmm. and, and that's also, a great place to stop. Campaign. Yeah. Yes. Great place to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 good. 
Because that also puts a you know spike in those characters. They're done. Yes. Yes. They've hit end game. Yeah. Whatever yeah, yeah. that turns out to have been. And that's where I think it's it's a great Joel's moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and like if we you know we we in the Red Markets Discord, y'all should join the Red Markets Discord if not already. Uh, there has been talk of doing a more medieval fantasy flavor, mm-hmm. uh, either building off of Red Markets Black Death or independently, and that would be a great jumping off point for. Oh shit! There is magic, mm-hmm. uh, and this is a. A bloody, like an actual magical artifact that can cure the blight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I come back to this thing where it's like, I'm not sure Hans Peter wants to be cured. Right. Mm-hmm. Like his his company's all dead. He's he does what he does, and he's useful because of who he is, mm-hmm. and being a black leper, and so. If he was cured, he would have nothing left. Mm. Well, like, also he'd have a lot less pain. I am not. There's pros and cons. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that he would view that. I think he would say that. Yeah, that'd be great. But but like, yeah, I guess I, you I, can get used to anything. Is your theory there? Yeah, I, I think of him as a prize fighter, right? Like yeah. once you're at the top of your game. <laughs> You want to go out swinging. You don't want to. You don't want to go out the uh, CTE way. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if he's cured, that's he's got a long life of poverty and CTE in front of him. If he's if everything is cured of the plague, that's different. If he's the only one cured, then yes. And like I said in the post credits, like. Even if it does work, congratulations, you can cure the plague with a three-cubit piece of linen. You have an entire planet. <laughs> Good, Good luck. luck. Also, you know. Well. Back, back to that loose versus tie. Like, just because the plague goes away doesn't mean they're not going to still need big guys with swords. Yeah. Well, they're going to still be big guys with swords. That's a different problem. <laughs> You'd still be a big guy with a sword who could really who could hack off people's heads in one swing. Yeah, I could. <laughs> I think you did. I did uh, more than once. Times. It was great. We, we love Hans Peter. I, um, I got to say, I feel, Adam, I feel like you invested Hans Peter with more character and nuance um, than I was expecting him to have. <laughs> Tough but fair. I mean, <laughs> r- primarily by leaning into the stereotype, but that's not that's not wrong. Like that's just right. like that makes him more of an uh, it makes him an interesting character because you're well, you're really uh, examining like the implications of that. Honestly, the oddity of George kind of adds <laughs> oh, to this I whole mystery. Yeah. Like just the okay, okay, okay. So he's got this dude, and he doesn't notice. Wait, why is another person dead? And then another <laughs> that the fact that George became this sort of yeah. weird Lovecraftian horror <laughs> gag at the yeah. end. It's like, is he is he actually a king in yellow, or is he just an immune with good luck? And I don't think any of us knew the answer. Nope, that no. doesn't keep Magda nope. from standing behind him. No, but oh, that was wonderful. That's probably the safest place to be, yeah. It certainly uh, is safer than possibility of flying blight sweat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, he had the, you know, what do you call it? The uh, power of plot protection. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, 
I really, I, I was, uh, I was highly entertained by George. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. Weird. So I, I, I will conclude so that I can run off and go to the thing I need to do. That um, I had a blast playing Hans Pather. Um, I usually do with characters like this, which is part of why I play them. Um, and I'm not going to make promises while we still have an under five year old to play <laughs> against type weird. Um, one thing that I think I would want to do differently in another Red Marcus Black Death game, even with a hacky slashy character like Hans Pather, mm-hmm. is lean into a little bit more the economic realities mm-hmm. because you know I, i'm thinking of aaron's character from the rppr b-sides campaign where he had a fucking mech mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. economically speaking a Lanskanite without a company and like a full economic engine behind him is basically the same thing like right. oh you've got the armor Lanska and the sword and knights are fucking expensive. Yeah, you've got a main battle tank. How do you keep that up? Yeah, uh-huh. like, I feel like we need to. And this is something to say about the system that we need to ramp up how deeply expensive the maintenance oh, yeah. of all of that is. There's definitely some points at which, um, like, I think I need to. I need to work. Yeah, I need to do some more work on making sure the numbers are right for how much. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, well, this was also a narrativist campaign. The point was yeah. to get us to the end, get us to the finale. It yeah, that's kind of the thing. To basically simulate the econ- economic scenario. We weren't worrying so much about that, like it's because it was a job line. Um, it wasn't like we're crunching the numbers every on every job to see whether we've we've made a profit or not. It's like the next job's going to happen. Like you don't have to worry that much about it. So, and that made Hans Peter like grossly overpowered for what he <laughs> was. <laughs> Well, Thank I mean, goodness. Lucas as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. So with that, so, now I go away too. Good night, Internet. I think, that, no. I think that's the area um, to concentrate your development, Ethan. Yeah. In, in the system, the underlying economics of the medieval world are not known to your players in the way that late stage American capitalism. Yeah is mm-hmm. even to non-americans yeah um i i i wouldn't say i know this i just have read too much and keep random trivia in my head somehow um but like i know that we are abstracting like the entire peasant class that is necessary mm-hmm. to yeah. keep lucas in the field. Mm-hmm. Like the modern American army takes 10 support personnel to yeah. feed, to funnel one combat trooper into mm-hmm. the field. And that is not counting all of the people who like make the shit right. that uh, is bought. So it's like 30 people in the medieval world are necessary to, um, and I'm pulling that number out of my ass, I think are necessary to keep one fighting man yeah. on the field when that fighting man is a knight. The yeah, reason sure. they were nobles was because it took that much money. Yeah, <laughs> because they needed to be able to extract a bunch of wealth from a bunch of impoverished peasants. Not only did you need that much money to keep the armor 
in the field, you mm -hmm. needed that much money to have somebody with enough free time mm -hmm. to do nothing but train to be able to wield that shit. Yep. yep. It's heavy. Yep. Especially if you put on Greaves. Yeah. Yep. What, that what was the pro and con of Yes, my team. Kitty. I, I know you have opinions on medieval economics, too. <laughs> One of the things I think I probably do need to do is maybe make training more expensive to buy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that, that. that might address I, the power creep issue, too, a little bit. Because there's definitely, I've, uh, I've noticed the issue of combat power creep. Um, yeah. <laughs> which I wanted there to be a little bit of over standard red markets. But I think it's, more, right now, it's a little bit more than I want it to be. Yeah, Lu Lucas things, had multiple one-hit KOs. <laughs> I think the things to, to focus on in the Well, SDN was not overpowered. Oh, you Our, never felt overpowered? Yeah, I, you were. Yeah. I missed a lot. That's true. Yeah, you did miss a lot. <laughs> I, I think focus on the underlying economics, the insecurity of food, uh -huh. the economics of reputation as, re as focused by piety and chivalry. Well, and the other thing is the, the and, interactions with, and with the economics sorry. of your retainers. Uh huh. Yeah. Retainers need to be more tightly brought into the system because this is a system of reputation. The, uh -huh. the whole world functioned on reputation basically in a way that ours doesn't because yeah. we, we go look up reviews online. Mm -hmm. Theirs is all um, word of mouth based. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, when you go look up things online, it's a good chance someone's going to skew it. Yeah, which you know is also Different going problem. to happen. Uh, yeah, it, it's you know the same problems writ. Yeah, but it larger it. or faster or more yeah. magnified in different ways. Yeah, but the other the other thing is the basic interactions between like peasants and the nobles hiring them seemed questionable. It's like how are they giving these these peasants basically all this respect and money to go do mm. a thing? Oh, I mean, mean, it's in, part of the. That's more of the conceit of the thing. So say, maybe you, you mean it sort of in the client, uh, in the client taker relationship. Yeah, because hmm. they're just suddenly trusting these guys that uh, you've heard they've been over the wall a couple times. Yeah. They came back alive. That so that is a, a way in which I think the game is going to have to be fundamentally uh, a little bit unrealistic. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because, because in reality, yes, nobles had people who like worked for them full time who did all this stuff. Like if they needed, you know, somebody to go out and hunt for them or go out and, mur you know, assassinate someone from them, they would pick a guy who'd been working for them since they were kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but also, <laughs> family had been working for their family for like three right. generations. So like. <laughs> But also now, a bunch of them are dead due to the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, so, that, so the other thing is because of the Black Death situation, that's like does disrupt that a lot of those structures and opens things up to for more like. True. I mean, and the actual Black Death did that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I'm going to be covering that a little bit in my in in when I talk about the the setting structures and stuff and the social classes, but. Um, it's one of those things that just kind of has to be a thing in the game. Like you have to be like, yes, they will in fact hire you <laughs> and they will pay you and they will tolerate you, you know, sales talking them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and again, like it's one of these things like 
you can't you can't really be strictly um strictly historically accurate to the sure. culture for these things because like it would be too hard for modern people to get in the right mindset to really like deal with that i think which is probably good because <laughs> you're not going to be like you know having a you know an hour-long pageant of like always you know observing the proper protocol to not offend this guy so badly that he'll just kill you <laughs> instead of talking to you <laughs> we're not going to go into all that detail So, Dan, what did you think about Estian as a character? I mean, you know, like you said, the, it was a character that had a quickly understandable, you know, background and point, as it were. Mm-hmm. He, he's, you know, a peasant. He's a good shot. He knows things about the woods and whatnot. And that's it. Yeah. That's why he's there. Um, although he wasn't that great a shot. <laughs> <laughs> and his, his traps crafting thing never came up as useful. Yeah. Um, it was also, you know, with only one point in, it's never going to, really. Because, mm. you know, do, don't dedicate an important function to only one point of skill. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, less, so less combat effective than I was kind of expecting him to be, especially because the range thing. Because I think in a lot of the situations, like, the the benefits of range are lower, particularly, like, in well, the combat we were a lot of the well the other thing is that you're having to shoot around everyone else yeah which is amusing when you miss but not necessarily good yeah as far as power level goes like the system as it currently goes does seem like it favors uh melee fighters uh uh quite a bit more than original more than original isn't archery split between like strength and athletics or something like that i let's see i changed it from I think it's a strength skill instead of a speed skill, or which see. I mean makes some amount of sense, but also doesn't. It's like maybe it should stay a speed skill with it being moderated by you need this much strength to get this strong bow. I had that as a I had that as a thing for a while, and it ended. Uh, I felt like it was too complicated. You had to remember too many things. He has like a double cap on things. Uh, yeah, but that is fair. something I might want to revisit. Um, I don't know. I, I I never got a good idea for what you should have done instead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for fun thing, archery doesn't get all the like crazy damage bonuses that you get for like melee combat from training. Yeah. I mean, now, the archery got the, you could use a bow. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, should be a good advantage, mm-hmm. but it won't be a good advantage if you're interior. Yeah, or you know, it's that, there's a lot of places where it's not so useful. Yeah, or if the fights just are taking place up close, like because, yeah. you know, or if everybody has horses so they can move around really fast, so and they can get at people. That still can be useful, especially if they haven't seen you. But I mean, it definitely can be. It's a, uh, it's a good pairing with the stealth thing. Yeah, but it just I think I agree with you that I think it doesn't quite. It's not quite on par with the uh, melee with the, with the rules. The power of melee right now. So yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking I should be able to just one shot this guy, but that never happened. Well, also, um, the vast majority of our uh, events in this campaign, especially, were not necessarily casualty related. This is true too. Yeah. Um, in a more casualty heavily heavy scenario, and, and with range that related, is yeah, much, much more, more important. Desirable. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we had like two really well-built melee characters who mm-hmm. ended up just raking people. <laughs> <laughs> so mounted combat, harsh, but appropriately so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm pretty happy with where the mounted combat rules are um, with the extreme deadliness of it and everything. I do I do think that the that the the high level of deadliness of mounted combat and melee combat in general sort of makes the it sort of makes the fact that like in core red markets the the NPCs don't use the same rules as the PCs. Uh-huh. I think it kind of makes that a little bit more problematic. Because like mm, mm-hmm. Because you hit them once and then they don't have armor is a bigger deal when armor is, you know, actively subtracting. Right, exactly. Where, like, when you have armor, it's just, like, tanking everything. Like, you can get hit over and over and over again and not really worry that much about it. But for, I mean... At the same time, it reduces GM record keeping, which is, I think, one of the big points. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a a, a good point. That's one of the reasons Red Markets works is because it is relatively light. Once you've got your idea written down, you just go. Yeah. And you don't have to think that hard about what about the what what about the opponents? Oh well, they're either you know part time, full time. It's done, you know. Yeah. Whereas yeah. something like this, it could be very different and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't want to get in a situation where it's like freaking D and D, and you're trying to balance EL levels or ER levels or what the hell, yeah, exactly. whatever they call this week. Yeah, so I think I might need to have a little bit more detail about how P- how NPCs work in combat, and maybe give them a little bit more. Um, durability, <laughs> uh, at least if they're wearing armor, to make that to make that make a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks. <laughs> How do you feel about him as like a personality? Like, do you feel like? I mean, at, t- at times I, it's, I was actually playing against type to be uncharitable. So, oh, I think we should help. Them. Oh, wait, uncharitable? No, I should help them. <laughs> <laughs> But at the same time, it's like he also doesn't want to be a rich guy because they'll never get into heaven. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I still never really got where, what that, how to play that spot to make it useful as far as getting Will. Yeah. In fact, either spot for that matter. Yep. Well, uh, I mean, a charitable came up a couple times, but not often. Mm hmm. Well, that's something for me to revise if I'm going to use him as a stock character for sure. I yeah, want to make that I, a little bit uh, easier to understand or a little. You know, bit part of me more. wants to suggest that with with the chivalry and so forth, maybe more like or like minor spots that come up as you play. That, but you know what? No complications. So no. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm thinking of you know pen dragons. You know, uh, what do you call it? Oh, they <sighs> have their uh, the yeah, the. I know what you're talking about. Passions and the other thing. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're not trying for that level of complexity. It's um <laughs> I think I just need to make the character or and and it's one well, of those giving things like example I, giving better examples how to get chivalry points yeah. and so forth. Or if I'd given you a bit more of a shot at building your own character or customizing him to make him exactly how you want him, maybe have been maybe. Yeah, but I might not have understood how I wanted him because yeah, system's still in flux. Yeah, for sure, but so well, that's that's those are good notes. I mean, clear, clearly he would want a drone, but you know that's not <laughs> happening. 
That's right. Or a falcon, but no cameras, so I don't know. Yeah, I know. Falcons aren't all that useful, <laughs> except for hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, especially if you want to ramp up food scarcity, actually... Could be a thing. Yeah. Even if it's just for hunting prey, can be a big help. Yeah, I think. Um, I think maybe I want to. I want to make sure that you have to have special gear or special, uh, either special gear or special uh, skills in order to do that, like hunting for food on outside like yeah. type thing so it's not like just like anybody can yeah because i mean hunting is more than scavenging in this mm-hmm. this situation yeah yeah so i think you would have to have a profession skill that works for and, it and you and probably need to talk more about the common you know how common are the the black lepers yeah um when do you need to worry about quiet versus loud because there are fewer things that make noise until yeah, you're actually true. in melee combat, which is where now a bow is really useful because it's not making noise. Yep. Um, and you can't really silence a big honk and sword hitting big honk and metal things. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So, I mean, I, I you know, that did come up a lot in this particular job line, which is fine. Mm. Um, Yeah, that's true. Well, I I mean my st- my style is generally to play red markets as casualty light. Um be it, that's just my that's just my my outlook. I think I played a couple of uh I ran at least one 10k legs where there were uh where where, where casualties never appeared in the entire course of the <laughs> the job. Which, I mean, which is fine cuz humans are way more dangerous. <laughs> yeah. But and that's, I mean, that's kind of the point of the setting is that, yeah, they're there. They're a problem, but you can just walk a little faster. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Until you can't. That is a problem. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, when I was running my own game, I was surprised as to when the characters actually came into danger of being bit. And it's that, that surprise jump scare moment when you're opening a door and you're pretty sure there's no cat. Oh my God, there's a bunch there. And I don't have any room to back up. And how am I in front? And I have this little pistol. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. All right. Well, those are those are good uh, those are good notes on Estian. <laughs> For sure. Um, I mean, I guess the other thing is, you know, how do you replace some of the functions that you lose because no high tech? Uh-huh. Like being able to order stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that you one's never really gone it. into. Yeah, you have to. Well, you have to either make it or buy it local. So again, craftspeople are kind of. I mean, that just it just never came up, which is fine. Yeah. But you know, Fletchers are a thing and a kind of an important thing in this situation. Although you probably make your own stuff. Well, so mm-hmm. Laura's other PC in the earlier playtest, right? Was, was the blacksmith, literal smith. Yep. Yeah, which is a little, awesome. little hard to get that out in the field, though. Yeah. In yep. the field, of course, but mm-hmm. back at home. Yep. Like maybe that could have mechanical benefits. Yeah. So and and I don't know. I, were guilds a thing at this point? I'm thinking not yes. yet. Yes. Yes. They were. Oh, they were. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's something that maybe work into the background to make clearer. Yeah, um, I touch on them to some extent in the in the uh, setting material. And I I also don't know what other spots y'all you've developed already, but that. There seems like there's a lot of room for a lot of more unique spots. Yeah, I've written a bunch. I mean, I've written a, wrote a bunch of unique. Which, which, which again, that maybe maybe what you need is 
you know, major, you know, the major spots and then minor things that you kind of fit in and take out depending on what you've been doing and who you've been offending. Hmm. Sort of like a counterpoint to the piety and chivalry. It's like, what things do people not like that you do and how aware of it are they? Hmm. Um, those would be more like I guess I could see those being or, or just like, you know or or just things that drive the character in in those directions without any actual benefit. But since you did it once hmm. and you're headed down that road, it's easier to do it again or whatever. I I don't know. I'm I do not have a clear thought on that. Hmm. And again, that might be too much complexity. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking they could. Go ahead. I was because that that seems like you could kind of just do it in the in the standard red markets style where um you know you can have rep spots that like pay off once and then they're done yeah yeah maybe hmm. what are you saying greg um i was gonna say especially because uh canonically if you can figure out what i'm talking about listeners hey eh? um since we played uh, monster hearts recently uh maybe like using like a condition system as like a tag system hmm. where like certain events like maybe the gm and player can agree like you get a tag temporarily that is like a temporary spot status okay oh oh that's okay that was the other thought i was having is it so in in drama system which we have not yet played um but no, you know the, there's a thing that could be bolted onto every game which is what are the characters you know uh dramatic point you know polls Mm-hmm. What are you striving for? What are you trying to move away from? Kind of stuff. Yeah, and that probably would help drive, kind of like drives in, in say, Trail of Cthulhu, yeah. drive characters in directions to do things that are you know not advantageous. Which is That's, really what the spots do. Yeah, but maybe more explicitly that sort of that sort of thing during character creation, along with like you know interrelation between the characters getting established when you're setting everything up. Yeah, well, we that's haven't what, done enclave gener- I haven't done enclave generation yeah. for this. And I don't think you have. That's one so. of the things that in that that can usually be like more related to uh, retirement plans. Yep. And since we weren't using retirement plans in this campaign, we never really right, had a right. chance to worry about it. Yeah, retirement plans is actually one thing I really have not been able to play test yet for our MBD because I want to do some different things with them. Like I want there to be, like I want there to be gear and reputation like milestones that work as as a retirement plan milestones mm-hmm. um like seen I, in all the holy lands want to get away from the world be a monk yeah so exactly like i mean so like if you want to go be like a monk and like be uh you know secure in that life style uh you want to build up a certain score in piety first Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, maybe certain skills that would be useful, like agriculture. Or yeah, exactly. So it wouldn't be so pharmacy, much, whatever. It wouldn't be having necessarily having a certain amount of money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, although that could like basically it might be having a certain amount of reputation in the bank. Exactly, because yeah, because well, and, and because reputation takes like a certain like you have to you have to pay to maintain it. Um having that can be a retirement milestone, but like you could lose that retirement milestone if you stop paying for it. So like, for example, like getting up to four, four major points of piety or chivalry might be a good retirement milestone. But if you do that, like early in the campaign, it's you can't it maintain may, it the whole campaign. It may, end up drag costing, on you. Yeah. it may end up costing you more overall than just the 20 
in mm-hmm. 20 uh, bounty that you're supposed to be standard for retirement benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's something I'd like to work a little bit harder on. And, you know, you got to develop more legs for a table. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's actually put together a bunch of stuff that works, <laughs> works for table just from, in the course of this job line. But. Yep. Yep. And of course, I've had several ones that I I've reused from from earlier playtest stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I, no. I mean, there's I, there's. I would like to be clear: D100 tables are awful to awful. write. Weird. I think I'm thinking maybe twenty or thirty <laughs> could be as much as I'm writing up a. This is in in Red Market's core. There is a discussion before the D100 table of like roll to get a random like thing to write a leg about. Uh-huh. Yep. And here's how to think of it. Definitely adapt that for Red Market's Black. Uh, yep. <laughs> so it's like the guideline system of rolling for like. I mean, for that matter, f- finding spots for these people there's they're well insulated for the peasantry so if you're really working for a noble rather than their servant who's a negotiator it's going to be harder to find anything about them unless you have enough whatever chivalry piety or or rank actually maybe rank should be another thing rank or maybe it should not should not be like social rank that that is a really good point Mm. Or maybe it really shouldn't be because it's just too yeah, and less fun. But I don't. I don't know. Well, I do. I mean, I already have the uh, the prior status thing as a uh, as a as a character creation element, okay. uh, which kind of does that because I mean, everybody who's in the taker group has to be basically functionally equal to each other yep, right. or the game's no fun. <laughs> maybe, right. maybe it's a thing to have as a system under a tight game. Yeah. Rather than any True. other game. Yeah, so maybe or, it's more- or maybe it's a maybe it's a loose number you assign to the group as a whole and here's what people will put up for them, here's what they won't. And if you can raise that rank through just reputation of getting the job done and not being difficult to deal with and being respectful that number goes up and it's easier to work with nobles. They'll cut you a little bit more slack. Hmm. Sort of like, again, sort of the reputation thing, but, but having a real meaning to it. It's an interesting idea. I'm just tossing stuff out. So it's, it's worth what you're paying for it. Yeah. And yes, definitely in a tighter game, like you'd emphasize the differences between like the social stratification and stuff a lot more and how that affects the way people uh, interact with each other. But in a, in a looser game, when you're treating it a little bit more like the uh, movie version of the Middle Ages, <laughs> you don't want that to bog your game down too much. Weird. It, yes, exactly. We also like really didn't do that many. One thing I realized that I haven't really done is like jobs for non-nobles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, the guilds and the merchants and so forth would want things moved around. I'm trying yeah. to think, and like even even peasants can can get together and hire somebody to do stuff for yeah. them. Like if they, that's true, maybe they need they need an original copy of the contract. They can't read it, but they know that there was one, and that it wasn't this. And this yeah. guy is abusing them. I mean, it's I mean, you can just go the the good old 
samurai movie version where they have to hire you to <laughs> hire professionals to find uh, their village bandits. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's a reason that works. Yeah, yeah. Seven samurai. <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm trying to the think. Church. Yeah, yeah, the church too. I, I think almost all. Well, the church isn't working for the church. Isn't that different for working for nobles? But uh, was was uh, there church uh, with? Uh, the the like things like Lutherans and 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 Protestants and whatnot. That's later, right? But oh, uh, yes. sort of. Martin yeah. Luther is fifteen. Yeah, it's not 17? much later, but yeah, fifteen seventeen. Uh, so the, we're talking about one hundred fifty years. years there. Well, here okay, that's just well, one war. Come on, I'm gonna get. I'll, I will get into this in depth when I write the setting stuff about the church. But there are non, what you might call non-orthodox, uh or non-adherence to the, the structures of the Roman Catholic Church at well, the time. You know, the other thing is that heretics are going to be a lot more tolerated when you can't move freely between places to investigate. Well, that's you know, also investigate. what I say, There's, is that the lines of communication are even worse than at the time, because right. there's not regular, regular yeah. travel between major cities, because... <laughs> Zombie apocalypse. As 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 you might not be surprised to hear, the Black Death uh sort of precipitated a lot of change in like theological uh perspectives and things like that, and like mm-hmm. the way Weird. people were dealing with religion. Weird. So like there was a lot of stuff that sort of arose after in the aftermath of the Black Death that's more not not nearly as like you know neat and tidy as what our view uh, our, what our view of the middle the medieval Catholic church tends to be. And I'm not, that's not even getting into stuff like the multi-pope situation. <laughs> oh, that's Lord. Multi-popes. Eventually three. <laughs> three simultaneously. Three at the, three at the same time. <laughs> How on earth could people all infallible. <laughs> How on earth could people relate to these theological problems in 2022? That's right. Weird. <laughs> yeah. So, um, theological, I mean, there were political, like, so, whatever. There were there were so there were like movements at the time that we would recognize as being more similar to later like Protestant ideas. Like there's the Wycliffeites, like the John Wycliffe people in England, uh, who like they're called Lollards. Uh, who are more like everybody should be able to read the Bible. Let's translate it into the language and not worry about priests. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there's the the Hussites. Really, there's a whole big group of people that are going to object to that. Yeah, well, the, yeah, and then the Hussites in uh, Bohemia in the 1400s. So it's still a little earlier for them, but like the the ideas that eventually became uh, the Jan Hus Jan Hus's Hussite movement were sort well, of. I'm saying devolved cults of. Very strange beliefs yeah. are certainly a thing you could run into. Oh yeah, which sure. gets you away from just you know zombies. But what if zombies and like one of the red markets type cults like uh, shepherds? Oh, you weren't <laughs> there for the ones where I reinvented the medieval meek, were you? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's easy. <laughs> that that's just a, that's a gimme. Come on. Oh yeah, that was that was. A good I don't time. think you can have medieval randians. I'm not complaining. But they do make great villains. <laughs> what you mean, nobles? <laughs> there. Yep. 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 <laughs> oh man. 
So yeah, um, those are things that I'm going to be taking into account when I'm when I'm trying to decide which parts of the setting to really highlight. Um, it's tricky because I, I tend to I think I tend to be too verbose. I need to go back and take, maybe just take a whole another. No, no you need to just get it down and make it verbose, and then figure out what you're trying to say there, and then narrow it down. That's that sounds like a good yeah. Maybe. Don't um, put the pressure on yourself to get it down. Get it down, then worry about making short um, and concise. I wrote a bunch of this up about two years ago that I haven't really looked at that much. Since. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's one bit of advice I got from Ross when I did my consult. If he's still doing the uh, consultations for that's a good patrons point. on Patreon, um, like a huge thing he was, he kept coming back to in my Oracle Chef notes is that you need to have a lot more down. Um, mm-hmm. You've done all the research. You've done everything. Uh, but people will not have that background knowledge or you, or even in my case, like I've come up with a lot of the setting information and I've come up with a lot of the backgrounding, but your reader is not going to have that. Yeah. Uh, leave it up to people like Laura <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to scream at you. that This is too much. Oh. <laughs> I am a better copy editor than developmental editor, even though I do both and I'm working yes. to get better at developmental editing, but those no. are two separate things, listeners. Both oh, don't get, don't, no, no, don't get me started. I can get, start. I have two sets of rants about the difference between things, and it's editing and librarians. Okay. Uh, I, I literally attended a conference on coffee editing. I know how <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel don't, you. Just, just don't get me started, is all yeah. I'm saying. The, and we haven't even gotten to like need sensitivity to reading, which mm. oh, God. That, that will probably Whole be a other thing. challenge for a historical document. All, like all I know is that, that in the real world, when I turned in a draft standard, the copy editor was remarkably surprised at how few things he needed to tweak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. that's, you know, the luxury of actually having time to do the thing right. So. Yes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. developmental, I assume you're like, do these rules, are they contradicting each other? Do they say the same thing in different places? All that stuff. Expand here. You need to develop this more. Oh my God, cut this down. Yeah. Um, move yep. this from here to over there because they logically connect better that way. You're, this yep. should be at the beginning because you need this information to set up everything else. And then copy editing after that's all done. Right. De- yes. A developmental editor is like for first, yeah. second, maybe even third draft. A copy but- editor is like final draft. Copy editor comes before the final draft and then you get the line editing and the proofreading. Line edit, you're right. Yes. All, My apologies. All, all of this is stuff um, that happens after it, I, I do the writing though. Yes. I gotta do that. Also if, true. if you're thinking of if you're trying to match up a developmental editing to um fiction writing, no, that's not true. The beta reader should come before the developmental mental editor i think we we took a long anyway. stroll from dan yeah. talking about sd anyway you are currently Ethan, really you gotta get it on the paper you're right yes. just an angry editor with a bow it's hard yeah. to say <laughs> so speaking of editors uh laura what how about magda and your character what do you think smooth smooth transition there <laughs> hey um i I felt like I was more in the um, setting playing a um, a female blacksmith um, mm. 
possibly because I had a little bit of knowledge that said that this happened from you got you got that when you had widows because mm-hmm. their their husbands tended to train them to assist in whatever they did so the household functioned. Mm-hmm. So that might be a feeling a little bit more tied to the setting um mm-hmm. through personal knowledge. Okay. Um Mag- Magda felt closer to um other faces I had played before. Mm-hmm. Played before I can enunciate. Um but that doesn't mean I didn't have a good time with her. There's a reason I keep playing those characters. <laughs> um, so, but yes. My, she, she'd like to run off to a... Um, the only word I'm coming up with is nunnery, and I think that's wrong. That works. What? Okay. <laughs> Brain. Yes. But unfortunately, she's got this woman she has to deal with. Mm-hmm. Magda was a good doesn't fit with the premise without denying the premise. Like Magda was definitely one of these things is not like the others, but still has a very important role within the party and executed it fairly well throughout mm. the campaign. Oh, what needs to be able to read. It's important. <laughs> oh. <laughs> More than one not person. Always. A number a number of noble houses would dispute that. Yeah. <laughs> you can hire people to read for you. Yeah, they're all dead now. That's Charlemagne was really good at hiring the right people to read for him. That's fair. Weird. Wasn't there um Oh no, I'm thinking of the Vikings and math. Never mind. <laughs> no, math was magic, therefore the women did it. Yeah. Also, it, something we don't encounter all that often in red markets is someone with almost no martial prowess. Yeah. Like, Have thinking across all the campaigns we've played and or heard across the greater RPPR community, like, I could... Magda might be one of the only characters I could even think of that... She did have a stabby knife. If I even had training in it! Right. I just didn't use it very often because it, it was the, it was suicidal. Yeah. And she's not stupid. That's her yep. whole shtick, not being yep. stupid. Yeah. It was whereas, the definition of a last defense. Yeah, whereas yeah. I can think of a, a certain hacker who really needs to get him some defensive stuff or he's gonna get dead somewhere. <laughs> Especially if he's not more honest with his team. Anyway, uh, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that is that is an interesting thing because like I mean in standard red markets you can you can buy one point of shooting and have an have a pistol and you can you're not that much worse than a guy who's trained for it. Like you can still I gotta say up just as well. It's we ha- guns are functionally much easier. Yeah, they are to, the real <laughs> than a knife. Yeah. They are they are a force multiplier. There's a reason guns are used over knives. Yep. Once again, back to 2022. Versus <laughs> if you have a knife and the other guy has a full plate of armor and a pull axe, you're going to lose 100% of those fights. Holy fuck, yes. <laughs> no, there's one scenario where you're just fine. You're uh, trip them in the mud? Scenario. What? Trip them in the mud and get on their back so that they drown? 
or just Delta. approach it when they don't know where you are and just slide it right in. But I mean, yeah, there are, are ways. <laughs> they're not fair scenarios. Ninety-eight percent of the fights, but yeah. still. <laughs> but what happens is going to ruin your whole day as a pole armsman. I feel like there, there might you might want to figure out if you're doing mass combat rules. Figure mm. out how mass archers just fuck your shit up. Yeah. Oh God, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So one of the things that is kind of uh, tricky from a historical perspective is that like archery was basically two different things in the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. like like combat archery and like warfare. It's basically an entirely different thing than like shooting an animal with a bow. Yep. Like hunting with a bow. Yep. Different bow, different kinds of bow, totally different technique, different training regimen, different equipment. Hmm. Um, it's a really, really different thing. Uh, but I don't want to like really, I, I want to try to avoid getting into those. Also, one of things. the primary rules of Red Mark is just abstract it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want to be like, no, you can't use your longbow. It's too big. <laughs> you can't aim it like that. <laughs> I, I, gotta, I gotta say, though, in, in any sort of tight scenario, yeah, that, that fucker was six feet long. Yeah. Yeah. Play yeah. Elden Ring if you want to know how yeah. great posts actually yeah. operate. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I don't want to get into like. Actually, no, you can't do this because X. I want to. I want to minimize that as much as mm-hmm. possible because I mean that's going to be a problem. Oh, and yeah. I have to like deliberately try to avoid mm-hmm. that because uh, unless I want the entire game to be nothing but well, actually, people about the Middle mm-hmm. Ages, which is not the game I want right. to play. <laughs> which again, similar to Caleb, it's like we could argue all day long about magazine sizes. Yeah. I don't care. Or we could give them all 10 charges. Boom, a win scenario. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that, that, I mean, that's one of the things that makes it work is that the there's record keeping, but it's not extensive. It's easy. Yeah. Um, to this argument, I think kind of what Caleb and the Red Markets community is doing, I think would work really well because like there's the base game and then there's Veblen Goods. Mm-hmm. There's essentially the standard. It's not that well, much of a complication. Well, well, no, no. I mean, there's like the standard weapons that anybody and everybody can use. But mm-hmm. if you really want to go there, here's the supplement. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're all traps. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> like I was going to ask, like, are arbalists and or cannons a thing at this time, or are yeah. they? Uh, yeah, yeah. So you did have like not. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, this again, this is getting into the difference between what people think of as medieval weaponry, which is mostly battlefield weaponry, versus mm-hmm. things that actually work in like personal small squad melee tactics. Yes. Um, yeah, your arbalist is not going to be useful unless you had it concealed to lure them into your shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they have like they were wor- they were deploying firearms on the battlefield uh, in the Hundred Years' War. And especially, and starting to do stuff in, with siege weaponry, but like that's not something like a taker is ever gonna like. Really, well, when, when does Hundred Years' War start? Uh, it's thirteen forties, which is like so, it's right right in the middle of this. So okay, yeah. So, so like, there's a scene in a David Weber series, which yes, roast me for later, but yeah, um, yeah. um, basically a sci uh, sci fi um 
FTL traveling um, society ends up with a legion dropped on basically a hell planet and mm-hmm. they they have to march from where they get dropped to where they can get a um, spaceship and basically walk up the technology ladder along mm-hmm. this this route and they end up in this mass battle where the other side deploys their shiny new technology of arbalists mm-hmm. and the the um Shoot, what's the thing where the volley goes off, all six of them, and they manage to hit one person Hmm. and are like cheering at how awesome this is. And the person stands back up because (laughs) post-modern armor. Yep. There's Hmm. also a scene where somebody is bitching about how annoyed they are that their arm got taken off at the elbow and it's going to itch for like three months while it regrows. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but yeah that that's where my knowledge of arbalists come from mm. big not very well aimed and they don't work all that well, well i mean they work great against walls yeah. stationary defenses mm-hmm. anyway um yeah so it's, the terror is, like, they, not, they're good for terror you're not really gonna carry one around with you to go no. do a job unless the job is about carrying that thing around <laughs> well, i mean the lesson job is a siege job exactly mm-hmm. so it's one of those things where like you're not gonna you're not gonna it's it's not it's not really relevant to the taker uh job oh, yeah. uh, whereas stuff like crossbows and uh and like short bows really short are yep. but like i don't want somebody to be like i don't want to be like you know you can't use a longbow you can't be an english longbow one because you really only be good on the battlefield like no actually that would be pretty good what i want to I don't want to get into the details of the specific drawbacks and why you'd probably want a recurve bow instead. And it's less giant. Why? <laughs> just maybe make what's obvious, penalty. really Pen- penalties or something. If using it. Mm, yeah. So I just it's, it's, mostly, I just don't want to get into, it. I want, I want to let people live the dream to the extent that it doesn't like make the game like yep. dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Loose and tight. Loose yeah. And tight. I mean, you give the description of why it would be uh, impractical, yeah, yeah, but it's like, it doesn't matter. A bow is this. A bow is always this. This is a bow. Yeah. <laughs> you can have this bow or this bow, and that's it in the game, because otherwise we're getting into too many details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. So anyway, um, how about you, Greg? We haven't talked about, uh, well, you talked a little bit about Lucas, but. Uh, Lucas, um, yeah, I mean, the chief thing is, I don't think it's that, um, unsurprising. I kind of used energy as a framework to build Lucas. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Lucas is one of the people who evolved the most during this campaign. Mm. Not the least of which, because Martine came into his life. Um, Mm -hmm. Which, if we had more time to develop Martine, I, th- I would have liked to have seen that relationship. Mm-hmm. Especially because, as we kind of discussed during this, as came up during the finale, like, he was untrained. Like, he was going to have to be trained over the course of a long time to get him to be fully effective at being a um, page. Mm-hmm. But, um... But also, it was kind of all, uh, kind of a lot of fun just to be a big swing. 
uh, night with just the horse and with a halberd and halberd and uh, just one shotting things left, right, yeah. center. Uh, he was definitely a fun, unique character to play. Nice. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing as Lucas. Nice. And um, also, I think that was the most I've been able to interact with both the piety and chivalry tracks. And as discussed, even if we didn't necessarily get them right <laughs> or <laughs> developer and GM intended <laughs> at times, um, I felt like that got the most play in this playtest campaign. And it was mm-hmm. good seeing how to use it, how it interacted with stuff. Um, worked well. Great. Cool. Well, what do you guys think uh, we should like? We should do playtest wise going forward. I feel like this. I feel like my system and at least certain aspects of it still need some playtesting. Um, try uh, jobs from those non-noble sources. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, develop develop more of the economy. Time frame were the samurai. Was that concurrent with the Black Death? Or is that like later? A long time, like a long, long time period. Uh, What we think of the samurai is later, like the sort of iconic Tokugawa. More, more, um, um, Renaissance guys running around with swords and armor doing, you know, doing warfare. Yeah, no, never mind. This this is not, this is not the system for samurai. (laughs) Never mind. Well, I, you could actually be like, you could actually do it pretty easily. <laughs> I mean, like sumo was active, yeah, in this time period. So, like, no, there's there's a lot of different combat stuff and ways you could make this work in a Japanese setting easily. I fantasized about doing it with the the if you if you've seen the 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 show Kingdom on Netflix, which is in oh yeah 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 the the yes with the terrible hats from uh, Korea. They're awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the best hats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I fantasize about doing that, but that would, that would require a lot of different like setting detail writing stuff. Cause that's like yeah, a, yeah, don't. highly formalized society. with a bunch But of- again, that's part of the benefit of having something like red markets, black death is again, similar to the core book. Now mm-hmm. you've got a framework now, yeah, like maybe, you and RPX's Patrick can geek out about Kingdom left, right, and center, and then maybe do a Korean setting later on down the line. Um, um, I would say testing either a full party with, or at least testing more stuff with retainers. Okay. Because then that also can get into, as we discussed, like, showcasing how hard it is to maintain and operate armor. Um, Mm -hmm. The artistry and ability needed to take care of horses or falcons or hunting Mm -hmm. dogs and stuff like that. So one thing I was thinking of doing is, uh, so the the thing is, and this is, this is common to lots of different role-playing games, not just red markets, but like the thing that gets the least amount of playtesting is like the late game of campaigns. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like anything that's like high level or things like that you only encounter after you've been playing a campaign for a while. So I was thinking of maybe doing just like a a one session or maybe two session play test 
where we start with pre-made characters. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily have to make them, but like we start with pre-made characters and just give them like give them a bunch of character development. Be like, mm-hmm. yeah, take a here's build a have spend this many points on on building a retainer. Spend this many extra points on on gear. You need to have at least this much upkeep in gear. And so we're basically playing high powered characters that would have been playing that as though that that had been playing in a campaign already for a while. Well, uh, I mean, that's the thing with red markets. The normal game is you don't want to spend that much improving your character, just enough to make it to the retirement. Right. So that's the other thing is to try to try to that that would be an opportunity to play test retirement goals, which is another yep. thing you can't really normally play test unless you're going to play an extended campaign. Um, and as much as I would like to run another extended campaign about this, I don't want like to put that burden on everybody again. <laughs> oh, so in the future, we got a lot of the things. I mean, you got, you pay your dues. We got we got to get to Harlem Unbound before. Yeah, but I'm like, looking I'm later. looking for ways where we can tr- play test some of these more like campaign mm-hmm. scope systems. Um, in a in a more focused way so we could run for example like something that would be like the first like the last job before a joel's um so we deal with like and see if the math works for how much uh money you can make versus how much your uh equipment upkeep and retainer upkeep and everything is uh just to see see how that pressure works and like what having high scores in piety and chivalry and a lots of retainers who are good at a lot of things and stuff like that are so I'd like to. I'd like to see if I could do that for you guys at some point. Sure, that mm-hmm. sounds good. Other thoughts? No other thoughts. Okay. Uh, I <laughs> horses, mean, horses good. Horses really, really good. horses. The the the, the quote unquote not witch the the intellectual the the doctor. I mean, that should be a viable playable something. Some uh-huh. form of that. The person that actually knows what little science is established that actually works. Oh, easily. But well, that would be could... hard to integrate with the other stuff, but, or maybe not. I don't know. Hmm. But it would it would really fit into piety or chivalry. Well, that's that's literacy and all that stuff. So yeah. it's kind of rolled together. And I mean, Laura was kind of playing that character in this. Oh yeah, that's right? that's did fair. You, did you feel like you were playing that character, Laura? Felt like I was playing. Um, that character at the beginning of that arc, and I had just run into that character at the end of that arc. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that there is, I mean, I, that's, that is definitely a goal for my design because of having that sort of like knowledge skills of like all this stuff, because, because that knowledge might be, is, that might be a character, um, class basically. Yeah, um, because you, you're sort of you're rolling up the having had enough free time and access to material to mm-hmm. study. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the best way to build that character is to start with the uh, cl- the um, cleric uh, prior estate. Mm-hmm. And build off that because basically all the scientists in the Middle Ages were clerics. Like that's how you had the free time to do it. <laughs> that was where you went to pursue any kind of intellectual life, um, no matter how heterodox you might be. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, um, having that like sort of intellectual character level type thing. Now, now in this particular campaign, because it was a little more high adventure, like Indiana Jonesy. 
uh, it wasn't like you were, you know, studying specific like real world science stuff so much as like ancient lore. But uh, it's kind of the same thing, ideally, at least in the same sort of narrative uh, narrative uh, slot, I think. At the end of the day, um, Red Market's Black Death is a lot of fun. It has a place just like the core book does. And decided to see more from it. Yay. Well, thanks. Anybody else have any last things before we hang it up? My mind is a blank. <laughs> Hearing none. Well, thank yeah. you guys so much for playing this. I I, I want to thank Ian. I know he's not on the mic anywhere, but he'll hear this, I'm sure. Uh, I want to thank Ian once again for write, writing this thing because I think I didn't really get a chance to tell him in the in the you know earlier in the episode when we were talking. I loved every single one of his his jobs. I oh, thought yeah. it gave me so much good material to work with as a GM. I thought the structure of them worked really well. I thought they really pulled off the uh, like the tone and the mood that he was going for really well, and I, I loved running it. So this this felt like a fully formed campaign because it was mm-hmm. yep well thank you guys for playing uh and i'm sure we'll play more red Marcus black death in the future uh thank you guys for listening to all of it um anybody and if i really would like to solicit if anybody's listening to this and has listened to our episodes uh i would like to solicit your feedback on how you thought it went uh you can uh hit me up in the discord if you're a backer um, if you're not a backer, uh, you can leave con- comments on our website uh, on the uh, on the episodes uh, pages, uh, or you can uh, just uh, get in contact with me. I'm I'm out there and available. So, uh-huh. thank you guys so much. Tweet us at TechDiffGP. Oh yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Ethan. Yep, you're welcome. Yep. All right. Good, Good night, night, Internet. Good night, Internet. Good night, Internet.